When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Boy, Nugent Hopkins to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Golden Knights and the Flyers are tied 1-1 early in the second period. Jets and Capitals, line A versus Ovechkin. It's 1-1 start of the second period. Ovechkin has scored his 41st of the season. Ehlers has his 27th for the Jets. Rangers up 2-1 on the Hurricanes early in the second period. Late in the first, Senators with a 2-0 cushion on the Panthers. Early second frame, it is Columbus leading Montreal 3-1. Seth Jones, he's been hot lately, two goals, now up to 15 on the season for the Jackets. Still to come, Blues at Ducks, Canucks at Kings, and Detroit in San Jose. Oilers and Flames tomorrow. Right here on 6.30, Chad, that'll be Furnace Family Oilers Hockey 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock game start. Edmonton's Furnace replacement experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30, Chad. Plenty to get to today in about half an hour, actually less than that, uh, right after the 6.30 news is when he's scheduled to join us. Really excited to have Brendan Botcher on the show. Skip for Team Alberta. Great run at the Briar took Gushu right down to that final stone in the 10th ed. So he's going to check in after the 6.30 news. That'll be fun. Uh, outstanding career he's already had, and I think the best is yet to come for that young curler. I would like to mention something here that uh, I regret not mentioning last week on Inside Sports, and uh, it's it's not, it's not directly related to uh, any team or any athlete's performance. In fact, it's not even about an athlete. But it's uh, someone who deserves a lot of credit, who you've listened to and watched in this city for a long time. And uh, something very significant happened last week. And again, I regret not bringing it up, but I was reminded today. And uh, I hope, you know, whether you're driving or just listening uh, at home, you'll join me uh, just saying it to yourself or, or to a buddy or a loved one. Welcome back, John Sexsmith at Global Television, at Global Sports. He uh, was back covering Oilers practice last week. He was there again today, and I'm sure you, you know about uh, John's battle. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer all the way back in April 2012, been away from work for about two years, and uh, now back on the scene with Global Sports and Global Television. And, uh, you know, he's been on the radio. He's been the PA guy at Commonwealth. Uh, he's done U of A broadcasts uh, over the years. Just a wonderful human being, first of all, and incredibly uh, brave 
and strong and candid. I mean, you may have read his blogs or seen stories that they've they've done about him, and, and he's shared that battle. So seeing him back uh, at work, back at the rink, uh, really cool. And uh, you know, we love sports; it's passionate, but just sort of one of those reminders about about life and some of the things that are important and uh, things people do. You know, day-to-day, not just John, but a lot of battles people go through. So I was just thrilled to see John back and, uh, you know, a guy I really respect. So in the spirit of that, we're going to lead off the show today, the first piece of audio, with a question John Sexsmith asked Todd McClellan today after Oilers practice. Commitment, dedication, and professionalism, are those the kinds of things you start looking for here down the stretch? Uh, no, because we look for those right from the beginning of the season all the way on. It doesn't change right now. Uh, what we'll look for is a fall-off in those areas. And uh, those, those three elements should show up all the time. Uh, it's hard to be your best every night, regardless of being in first place or, or trailing. Uh, yet you've got to try and bring that every night. And um, I think the first indication of it sliding is usually practices. I've liked our practices lately. Um, the leaders have, have worked hard there. They're trying to get better. They're trying to move the needle uh, in a positive direction. Uh, but we've got 14 games left, and, and we expect good performances in all of them. Will we get that? Uh, we hope so, but 14 games is a long time, a lot of road games, and uh, we're not going to let them off the hook. But uh, to expect um, perfection right now, it doesn't exist. But to perf- expect effort and professionalism and those other words that you used, yes, it should be there. Good question, good answer, and hopefully those are characteristics the Oilers do exhibit over their final 14 games. Hey, they've won three in a row. Cam Talbot playing a lot better in net than he did for the first half of the season, and Connor McDavid just racking up the points, racking up the goals. 18 goals in his last 19 games. I know this season has been a disappointment, but I was just kind of BSing with someone today who also follows the Oilers pretty closely, and we were saying, could Connor McDavid score 60 one day? One year in a season? I don't think it's out of the question. I know we want to be talking about it in a playoff season, maybe a year when they're a Stanley Cup contender, but he has been outstanding lately for the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers have been outstanding against the Calgary Flames. As I'm sure you know, they have a seven-game winning streak against the Flames. Breaking away is Connor McDavid barreling down the right-hand side to the net. Rick Shot score! Glove on Mike Smith. And a big hit by Lucic. Try to settle back door. McDavid for the hat trick. Scores! Lucic almost catches Riddich leaving the ice. Sent it ahead for Nugent Hopkins. Back in front deflected home by Brody. A centering pass was inadvertently deflected home by TJ Brody. Edmonton catches a break and will hang on. For a victory here tonight at the Saddle Dome, it's 7-5. McDavid around Gaudreau to the net. Shot saved by Riddick. Rebound score! Ryan Strokes off the stride! After video review with the Situation Room in Toronto is determined there is goaltender interference. We have no goal. And now Johnny Gaudreau. Breakaway against Talbot. Backhander to ride! Glove save made by Cam Talbot. McDavid. Left to right with plenty of speed. Top of the circle. Swades. Backhander. Score! Monaghan. Talbot one-on-one. Monaghan shoots denied! Kim Talbot wins the game! Connor McDavid, the game decider in the shootout. And the Oilers somehow find a way to win it. 4-3. 
Three nothing, seven five four three in a shootout. Highlights from those three Oilers victories this season. Of course, the season opener in October when it all looked rosy for the Oilers. That crazy game in December where they were up six one and Laurent Brassois kind of fell apart in the third period. Calgary got to within six five. Nugent Hopkins got that late fortunate goal off T.J. Brody, and then that four three shootout win at Rogers Place earlier this year when uh, the Oilers came back from a 2-0 deficit, went ahead 3-2, the Flames tie it, Oilers thought they wanted in overtime, the goalie interference controversy reared its ugly head again and then the Oilers were able to prevail in a shootout. By the way, you may, you've probably been reading this, the uh, NHL uh, asking players and coaches and everybody to tone down the criticism of goalie interference. Sounds like a great idea. Let's just not talk about a problem. Let's just pretend we don't have one, don't need to change the rule. Anyway, we've done enough on that uh, so far this season. Todd McClellan asked about the success the Oilers have had against Calgary. Well, the rivalry, I think, gets both teams up. Uh, it's an exciting time to be playing, especially against your rival. Uh, we've found some breaks. We've got some good goaltending. Uh, we found ways to check when we needed to. We've had to come back in games. Uh, there's really no pattern to our success against them. Um, every game's been different, and every game has taken on its own personality. So, um, you know, we hope that continues again tomorrow, and we can find a way to to push our way to a win. All right. So tomorrow, 5:30 face-off show game at seven here on 6:30. Chet Oilers and Flames. Now, Oscar Clefbaum will not play, which we were told on the weekend that he wasn't expected to be in the lineup. Here's the latest on number 77. Clough, as I said the other day, he uh, he was going to miss two games. He's been out for one. He'll miss the game in Calgary. He skated today uh, after having a small procedure. There was no body contact or anything involved. There's a good chance that he'll play Wednesday. The procedure will dictate further uh, down the road what will happen. Um, and uh, he, he and his agent and everybody else will participate in the decision. There's nothing uh, written in stone. Um, there's a real good chance he'll play the, the rest of the season and uh, train in the summer and come back. All right, so he didn't shed any light on the nature of that procedure, but he seems pretty optimistic that he uh, that he will return. So there's the latest on Oscar Clefbaum. I know there's been a lot of discussion about him. Uh, look, I don't think he's being forced to play by the Edmonton Oilers. The, he wants to play... Uh, and I know for a lot of athletes, surgery is the last option. So I, I don't, you know, if this is something that might need surgery, I think that's the last road they want to go down if that is the case. It is 617. You can always reach out by texting 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You'll hear a little more from Todd McClellan. Sat down with Pontus Aberg today. And I'll tell you this, that's not the correct pronunciation of his name but he's okay with you and me going with that. He'll explain why. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Was this hot for teacher, Kellen? It is. Got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm hot for teacher. Great music video. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Just had a... What, what, we had a caller didn't want to go on air. What did he want to know? Yeah, when is the NHL draft lottery this year? No date announced, though Pierre Lebrun reported that uh, sounds like it might be April 28th. And unfortunately, the Oilers will not be in the first round of the playoffs at that time like they were last year. We'll be paying attention to the lottery. I can tell you that at the moment... 
the Oilers have a 6.7% chance of winning the draft lottery. And then, of course, they draw three teams in total, so the odds change, the odds change on the fly, uh, depending on the team that uh, the first couple of teams that get picked. So there you go. 6.7%. It was, what was it, 11.5% when they finished third last during the Connor McDavid year? So it starts uh, right now, Arizona's at 18%, goes all the way down to L.A., the best non-playoff team. They have a 1% chance. Though, uh, remember, everybody moved up into the top three last season. You can text 630-630. John says, Reed, as much as it stinks that the Oilers are out of it this year, it's almost as fun and rewarding to cheer against the Flames down the stretch here and reveling in them hopefully missing the playoffs by the slimmest and most heartbreaking of margins. There is a heartwarming text from John, wishing nothing but ill will on the Calgary Flames. Uh, speaking of that, Todd McClellan was asked about the spoiler role. Well, when you embrace the spoiler spoiler role, you've spoiled your own season, right. is, <laughs> is how I see it. Um, you know, and, and the motivation behind that is great. Uh, you know, keep pushing and play hard and and ruin it for somebody else. But uh, when you get to that spot, you haven't done enough to, to make it a happy place for your own team. And uh, for me, that's the spoiler role. We've spoiled our own season. Well, I'll talk about this with Rob on the face-off show tomorrow. Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst, former NHLer, who uh, I don't think we've really talked about it on air. He's kind of said to me off-air, though, that that's not a, generally not a huge concern. That, that teams don't rally around. Let's screw it up for everybody else. I mean, maybe, well, I mean, maybe Oilers-Flames thing, okay, maybe the rivalry figures into it. But, yeah, I don't know if, uh, I mean, once you're out of it, you're out of it. So you're playing for, to get going, just to win. I mean, you want, here's the thing. With where the Oilers are at, are they going to want to beat a team that's two points out of the playoffs more than they're going to want to beat Vegas or some of the other teams they play? Probably not. I mean, I think they're just trying to play well and win, uh, win no matter what. No matter what. Uh, Josh in the park says, I've heard rumors a few years back of Edmonton hosting the draft, or is there no chance until Ice District is done, you think? Well, Gary Bettman pretty much said that when he was in town a couple of weeks ago, that major events for Edmonton wouldn't come until that whole, uh, the plaza is done, the towers are up right around there. Vancouver has the neck the draft next year. It's Dallas this year, Vancouver next year. So then that's 2020 for Edmonton at the earliest. And now then you got to remember, would they put it in Western Canada two years in a row? I don't know if they would. So maybe we're not looking until 2021 at the earliest. Good question, though. People uh, definitely are asking about that for sure. Uh, you can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. Alexander Ovechkin has scored again his 42nd of the year and career goal number 600. So he does hit that milestone early in the second period against the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Capitals leading that game 2-1, approaching the halfway point of the second period. Uh, we'll get to that Pontus Aberg interview later on in the show. Todd McClellan talked about him as well. Aberg riding a uh, long scoreless drought, obviously. He hasn't scored in 24. Last time he scored was in Edmonton at Rogers Place when he was a member of the Nashville Predators. Got to play on that line with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins over the weekend. I personally believe Aberg is more of a depth forward. We're talking line three or line four, but they're giving him a chance here to play in a few different spots in the lineup, given their playoff situation and the fact that they get to, to tinker and experiment slightly with the, with them being out of it. The, you know, they, they, they want to win, and McClellan has said the, the winning is always number one, and, and then you look at maybe trying new things. But 
I, I don't th- I don't see Aberg as a top six forward as we move along here. Uh, we got a quick call here, Kellen. Do we have time for this? We got Dave. Okay, Dave, got uh, about a minute for you, buddy. Go ahead. I just wanted to mention about the Queens. Sure. No, I don't understand. You know, I can understand the rivalry and all that, but wouldn't it be great even to just see them win and keep the cup in Canada and in Western Canada? Well, Dave, there's going to be a lot of people who don't feel that way, like the guy who texted me, but it, it, it depends on the fan, right? Some, I know some fans would just like a Canadian team to win it since it's been so long, but there are a lot of people who listen to the show who are ABC, anybody but Calgary, right? So I guess you're not in that group. Well, no, I, I think that it's you know, Albertans, Albertan, right? I mean, I like to see them play, but... I think if, they, if we can't get in, I'd rather see them get in than somebody else. So how about the Leafs? You're fine with the Leafs winning the Cup? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Anybody from Canada. Yeah, okay. Cool, Dave. Appreciate the call. Okay, man. Thanks. That is Dave, 780-496-0063. All right, we're coming up to the 630 News. Brendan Botcher, outstanding skip for Team Alberta. Man, what a show they put on with at the Briar. He's going to join us, and it looks like we'll have Mo on the open line hanging around when we get back. Inside Sports on 630, Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Coming in front, loose, in front of Hellenacher, lost his goal stick, Wilson with a chip, rebound, he scores! And there it is! On the rebound, Alex Ovechkin, the 20th player in National Hockey League history to score 600 goals! It is soon to be Hall of Fame Took him 990 games to get there. That goal tonight early in the second period. His second of the game, 42nd of the season. Capitals up 2-1 on the Jets. Eight minutes left in the second period. Also in the middle frame. Rangers leading the Hurricanes 3-2. Golden Knights and Flyers tied 1-1. Blue Jackets up 4-2 on the Canadians. After the first period, the Senators lead the Panthers 2-0. Games coming up later. Anaheim home to St. Louis. Los Angeles will entertain Vancouver. Detroit is at San Jose. Oilers and Flames... Tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7. Get it all here on 6.30, Chet. And then the Oilers right back at it on Wednesday with a home game against the Sharks. That'll be a 6 o'clock face-off show with the game starting at 7.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. In this half hour, you will hear from Skip Brendan Botcher back from the Briar in Regina. Man, what a game. Fought back from a 4-1 deficit. Had a chance to maybe steal one in the 10th and force an extra end, but Gushu with a perfect shot. Botcher will run down his week. Uh, really exciting career ahead of him, I think. He's already done a lot, and I think he'll be representing uh, Alberta, Edmonton, and Canada in the future. Okay, 780-496-0063. Mo was hanging on through the news. Hello, Mo. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, your last caller. I'm not going to bash him. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh Misery loves company, and there's nothing that would make him happier than uh, Flames players being on the golf course at the same time as the Oilers. I know it might be sour grapes, but I'm a diehard Edmontonian, a diehard Oilers fan, and uh, and uh, my Stanley Cup is tomorrow and the 31st when we play the Flames again. So, all right. Well, the Oilers could do some damage to him. That's for sure. Thanks, Mo. Yeah, you bet. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Brian on the line. Hey, Brian. 
Hey, Reed. How's it going tonight? Doing quite well. Very good. Uh, so a couple things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, first one, uh, as far as I'm concerned uh, with this, uh, this shall we call it a debate of whether Connor McDavid should be, even be considered for the Hart Trophy, I really think it should. I mean, even though he's, you know, yeah, there's a good chance the Oilers are not going to make the playoffs. I'm saying good chance because mathematically there's not out yet. <laughs> that's that's true. They they I went on that uh, sports club stats site last week and I think they had a six in ten thousand chance of getting in. Well, but there's still a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and they and, and they would have to and and that's if they went undefeated. It, it, it's like the guy from Dumb and Dumber when he asks the girl <laughs> if he's got right. a chance. She says, "Not one in a million. And she, he says, "Well, there's a chance." <laughs> that's right. That's well. That's pretty much so, what they're at. But that's okay. But, but the bottom, the bottom line is, uh, the, and correct me if I'm wrong. The, the way it's worded for that, uh, for that award, is the player that's deemed the most valuable to their team, or is it to the league? Is the player judged to be the most valuable to his team? That's the wording. And to me, I mean, let's face it. Let's call a spade a spade. Where would the Oilers be without McDavid's goals right now? Well, they might I mean, have like ten less wins, ten fewer wins. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, they wouldn't be as good. But, you know. And here's the other thing: is I'm I would bet I'll, I'll bet my next paycheck on it that the Ted Lindsay Award will definitely go for him to him, and that's voted on by the players. Now, don't you think what if the players are figuring that he is, you know, that valuable to the team and that valuable to the league, the media should maybe open up their eyes and see, you know, what it's worth? Well, I don't I mean I don't know. You're you're speculating. I don't know if the players will vote for him necessarily. I, I think they place an emphasis on, on a guy getting his team into the playoffs as well. Uh, I mean, McKinnon is having a great season if Colorado gets in. Uh, you know, Taylor Hall for a while there figured in on every goal New Jersey scored, you know, for a couple of weeks pretty much. Um, you know, so but he's – we, we, Blake Wheeler's having a great year. If you vote for a goalie, what about Vasilevsky? You know, like, it's, it's – there's no, there's no one cut and dried this year, I don't think. No, and I, and I totally agree with you 100%. There is nobody that, that's a, a runaway winner. But if the Oilers, if the Oilers put on a run, even if they settle out of the playoffs, if it's by four or five points, even six points, if he, if they get there, and if he wins the Art Ross Trophy, I think he's got to be given serious consideration. Well, I think he would get votes. I, I just don't know if he would win it, and I don't have a vote, as I'm sure you know. Uh, but and and, and, and the, I'll make a quick prediction, and I'll say four two for the. Uh, Oilers tomorrow night against the Flames. Brian, I love your positive energy. I got a qu- I got a question for you. I'm going to quiz you here. Certainly. Qu- quiz on the spot. Do you know, because for the Hart Trophy, so the people with the ballot, they get to pick five guys, right? And then they get points. The first place guy gets, I can't remember if it's 10, whatever, or 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Did yep. you, do you know what? Uh, there was one other Oiler who got one fifth place vote for the Hart Trophy last year. Do you know who it was? Uh, you know what? If I had to guess, and that's probably pretty much what it's going to be, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to say Talbot. It was Cam Talbot got one fifth place vote for the Hart Trophy last season. Pretty cool, eh? Absolutely. And the last person to ever win it with a losing team, not getting in the playoffs, was Lemieux. That's right. Absolutely. 88, I think. Right? Sound? Uh, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, thanks for the call.
Have an excellent night. That is Brian at 780-496-0063. It's 640. We'll call a quick timeout, and then we'll hurry hard with your skip, Brendan Botcher. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. You ask me to be your savior. So the question on the text line, if Dreisaitl and McDavid will be going to the World Hockey Championships, I don't know. They haven't been asked that yet. The only player who's talked about the Worlds is Oscar Kleffbaum, who said... Uh, he, a couple of weeks ago, he said he would prefer not to go so he can rest uh, the shoulder that's been giving him trouble. So I'm sure once we get closer to the end of the season, we'll get uh, announcements or revelations about which Oilers are going to represent their countries at Worlds. Brendan Botcher represented Alberta at the Briar as Skip took it down to the final rock, had to settle for second place. Brendan, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. And you? Doing very well. It's great to talk to you. I, I know a lot of people enjoyed watching you compete here at the Briar, and, and you took it right down to the last shot. Uh, I mean, I'll dive right in, Brendan. How do you how do you kind of measure how, what emotions are you feeling after playing well, being so close? Uh, but but I know you I know you wanted to win it. I, I know you're probably not celebrating finish uh, finishing second. How do you sort of weigh the emotions and the performance of the week? Well, I, I think it's mixed emotions for sure. I mean, when we were going into that last game, I mean, you, you never know how many chances you're going to have to win a briar. And I, I really felt like we were ramping up through the week and we were playing well enough that we could have won it. Um, that said, I mean, we left it all out there so many times this week, and I'm so proud of the guys. And really, as far as the results goes, it was such a huge success for us. Um and I think if we can put it in perspective that way in a few weeks from now, we should be able to reflect on it and have some pretty good memory. You mentioned your performance throughout the week, and, and I kind of want to start there before we, we get to the playoffs and the championship game because I, I know I've talked to a lot of curlers, and it's so competitive in Canada. You get to the briar, and sometimes it's just who's hot that week, and, and I've had curlers tell me, you know, earlier in, early in the week we just weren't sure and our confidence got rattled. There are other guys saying, you know, we won our first couple games and we just felt like we could beat anybody. Was, was, that, uh, was that the case for you guys? Did you sense early? on maybe it could be a special week or, or when did you really start to feel it well, I felt like we uh, built through the week a little bit so we didn't come out of the gate maybe as well as I would have liked we dropped our first one to Nova Scotia and then we had a sort of a string of wins but sort of subpar performances for us um, but we, we had a good chance to chat it out I felt like we were building and doing all the right things uh, and the way the format worked, it was a little bit different this year. Uh, there were sort of two rounds of a round robin, um, and they pushed sort of the, the toughest four games into those last four. So we were able to build through the first few games that were against some teams that maybe weren't quite as strong. And then we were really hitting our stride in the last few days when we were in that championship pool. You, you, you make it to the championship game, obviously. Uh, you survived some really close games. I, I mean, in the uh, uh, which one was it? You had to get two in the uh, 
in the tenth, and then you stole in the eleventh, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. where, I mean, were you just? I know you play these games all all, all the time, but how, what what was it like, kind of controlling the nerves and surviving some of those tense situations? Was it was it more difficult than other tense times you faced in your career? Yeah, I would say uh, certainly as a team, that's uh, the most pressure and stress we've been under. Um, and individually, it would rank pretty high up there for me. Um, certainly that 3-4 game, the couple shots we made there at the end were pretty amazing. And to be honest, I was a little stunned when it was over that we pulled it out. Um, it felt like Jacob sort of had our number for most of that game, and it was really only the last three or four ends that we clawed a little bit of momentum back. Um, but then able to win that game, I think we carried a lot of momentum into the semifinal, and then we were trending in the right direction headed into the final for sure. You mentioned that you know at one point during the week you kind of got to talk it out, and curling is such a, an interesting sport to me because it has the team dynamics but it's it's a very small team so you can't uh, you know avoid any tension or if a guy is struggling that's that's a quarter of your roster it's not like one out of 20 guys or one out of 50 guys in in football when when it comes to that do, do you take leadership with that is it is it maybe the guy who's struggling steps up and says you know I need some help here guys how do you manage those dynamics and some of the and some of the maybe areas that could become tense you got to nip them in the bud before they get tense well, I think as a team, we we all have to be pretty accountable. Like you said, we're each we're each a quarter of the team, and you can't have uh, sort of a three-on-one situation or one guy that feels like he can't quite come to the table and talk about everything he needs to. So we were one of the few teams out there this week that didn't bring along a coach or an alternate, so it truly was just the four of us out there. Um, some teams had five or six people that maybe could help them work through some of that conversation. Uh, but we really decided as a team this year we wanted to own it ourselves and we wanted to go out there and really just take control of all that communication and own it as a team and not rely on someone else to help us talk through some things that we should be able to do on our own. That makes sense to me. I understand where you're coming from, but I have to ask, in terms of not bringing an alternate, like what if somebody got really sick or broke a hand or something? Like <laughs> you couldn't have kept playing with three, or can you play with three? I don't know. <laughs> well, you certainly can play with three. Um, in the playoffs, that would have been a pretty tough ask to go out there with only three guys. But there, there were a few teams there that did it. Um, Einerson at the Scotties made it all the way to the final, and they only had a four-person team as well. It's a little unique in curling because we play the whole year as a four-person unit. All the tour events, all the slams, the Canada Cup, all those type of events, you're not bringing um, certainly an alternate to, and very few teams would even bring a coach along. So it's tough when you spend 100 games a year as a foursome, and then you all of a sudden make it to a briar, and you start changing things and adding extra people in, and sometimes that's uh, a little harder on the team dynamics than anything else. Brendan Botcher joining us on Inside Sports. Second place finish at the Briar Thrilling game yesterday against Brad Gushu's Team Canada. So, I mean, I've been following you since you were, uh, you know, an excellent curler at the U of A. That's when I first started to uh, to hear about you, and I think we got to talk a couple times when you were representing the U of A. 
How long has this? Uh, I, I think I think your third was recently added, but is but has this team been together a while, or the other two guys guys you've known a while? Like how how does that work? Yeah, uh, I think the core threesome, so Card, Brad, and myself have been together. Got to be about eight eight years, maybe a sliver even more than that. Um, we Brad and I go all the way back to juvenile curling together when we were sixteen. Um, picked car up probably about when I was 18 or so on the U of A roster and then the three of us have been playing together ever since and Darren joined our roster a couple months before the Briar last year so he joined us right before the provincial and we were able to pull it out and then we went on to the Briar last year with Darren but he had really only been playing with us for six or eight weeks at that point Okay, awesome. In terms of the final game, um, I, I was able to watch the, the last half of the game, and I know the commentators were mentioning that uh, some of your rocks that you're ranked through were, were over curling a little bit. Was that Were those missed throws, missed reads, or just sometimes the ice doesn't behave the way you want it to? Uh, probably a little bit of all of the above, to be honest. Um, you do notice the difference when you get down to the playoff games and there's only one sheet out there. Uh, it makes a little bit different the ice conditions. So I think we noticed it start to curl a little bit more once we got down to the single game situation. Um, and there were probably just a few points I didn't, I didn't maybe give enough ice or we didn't get all the way out to it. Um, but I wouldn't say we were over curling in general by a whole lot. Uh, I, I thought it was a pretty well played game by both teams. All right, so so you're trailing four one, and then you were trailing four uh, two. I think what you're down four two in the eighth, but you didn't have the hammer. Not a great situation to be in. How, how did again? I guess I want to ask you about that focus being in that situation, and you know what you're thinking to to try to plan to get back into the game or or even win the game. Well, you know, at that point, we're just trying to boil it down to what's the best sort of 10th end situation we can get into. And I think when we were down 4-1, we, we had the chat as a team that, you know, we don't have to get a deuce right away, but for the next time we hang some points, we need to get a deuce on the board here pretty quick. And even if we can get tied without or one down without and make Brad make a good shot to win it, uh, you know, it's the Briar final. And there have been lots of Briars missed on sort of half shots at the end. So we, we just needed to keep the game close and hopefully get our chance there in the last couple ends. And we actually accomplished that goal quite well. Brad just came up with a great draw at the end. Well, you made him have to put it right on the button, obviously, to win. What's it like watching that shot, Brendan? <sighs> it was a little tough. I mean, obviously, it didn't. He made it great. He sort of had it most of the way down the sheet because... I, I could sort of tell when the guys were on off sweeping it that they liked the weight and certainly Mark and Brad liked the line. So unless something happened that no one was anticipating, it was going to be pretty close. Um, that said, I, I was really proud of my guys. I mean, we got down early in that game and we we were tough as nails and we fought back and we, we did what we needed to do and we made him make a great shot to win a briar. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of the guys for hanging in there like that. So this year you, you finished second. Last year uh, you went to the Briar. I think you only won three out of eleven, so you had a tough time. Besides, obviously the record. I mean, what was the biggest difference between last year and this year? 
Well, last year at the Briar, we had only been curling together, like I said, for the better part of six or eight weeks. And I think that really showed at the Briar. Um, in our provincial, we, our provincial, the way the format works, we only had to play five games last year. And I think in a five-game event, you can get on a bit of a roll. Uh, and especially as a new team, I think that's what happened. And then we got to the Briar, and all of a sudden you're playing 11 or more events. This week we played 14. And just the length of that week and how many games you play and how many times you're tested against the best teams, it really weeds out a lot of that inexperience and lack of playing together that we had last year. So I think certainly the Briar last year and then the pre-trials and the trials this year, uh, we learned a ton from all of those experiences, and I think we really carried them forward into the week. What's I mean? Obviously, this is uh, this is a big event that a lot of people watch. But the season isn't over. Let fans know uh, what else is on the calendar for your rink here, Brendan. Well, there's going to be a couple of events left. There's an event starting this week, uh, the Elite Ten in Winnipeg, and we're actually not we're not going to that event. It just didn't work well in our personal and work lives. Um, we're going to be at the Players Championship in Toronto. Um, it's going to be, I want to say, the second or the third week in April. And then there's potentially still the Champions Cup after that. So the, the last two slams of the calendar year will probably close out the season for us. Okay. You mentioned it didn't work balancing your, your work lives and personal lives, and then, and that's the thing. I mean, curling has has come a long way in terms of the maybe the fame and the income that, that curlers can make, but you, you still have to make sacrifices and commitments. So you, you would have done this as a student. You're, you're still doing it now uh, into your mid-20s here. How, how have you found that part of it? Let people know some of those challenges to being an elite-level curler and still, uh, I guess, a regular guy on the side, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, sort of split personalities, or at least that's what it feels like. Um, we, we play some big events like this, and we all act like we're professional athletes, and then we all come back to full-time jobs. Uh, and that, that's tough. It's tough on our families. It's tough on our employers. I, I think we're all super fortunate to, to have found work situations that allow us to still curl to the extent that we do. And uh, certainly the company I work for is nothing but supportive. Well, Brendan, you know, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, congratulations on a great week. I know you're going to be back and you're going to be playing a lot of a lot of big bond spiels and big events that we'll be talking about for several years to come. So thanks for checking in today after a really busy week. And good for you. I know Edmonton's really proud of your team. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciated all the support all week from everyone in Edmonton, everyone in Saskatchewan. It was just, it was awesome. It truly was. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.